these extremely powerful nerve toxins, mercury and aluminum, force the immune system to make antibodies to a dead virus, or in the case of C. tetani, a toxoid poison, which is, which is a completely unnatural process. So at what cost? If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Seek the truth with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Barry Stockwell. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And we are here with podcast episode number 104, Lockjaw, Cleansing the Parasite Problem. What we have is a surprising number of uh, people who have the sensation of tight muscles in their jaw. Yeah, and we a lot of people have been searching for this on our website. Yeah, we did this because our webmaster said, hey, you ought to take a look at this topic because you're getting hit with this. Now... Historically, lockjaw has been associated with tetanus, but more and more people are experiencing this um, tightening sensation in their jaw muscles without eating or chewing gum. And so this podcast is designed to show how this is a dangerous sign of a much more systemic problem that is far more serious than jaw pain. And here you see the uh, TMJ highlighted here, the temporal mandibular joint. It's a major site of jaw dysfunction and pain. Uh, and it, but it may have a cause that's beyond just the alignment of the TMJ. And if not a dental problem, and your dentist will tell you whether it is or not, it can, it can signal easily a, um, a deeper distressing condition mm. that's self-treatable in most inst instances. And we're going to talk about that. Yeah, that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. This becomes even more important when your dentist is, is looking at you and you're complaining of these problems and he shakes his head or her head and says, hey, the x-rays show no problem. Yet you know there is because the pain is very real. Sounds like our kitty's in yeah, pain too. She, she wants to be fed. <laughs> and so this, this podcast is going to get gritty in that we have to bring you to a growing problem that uh, unfortunately usually is only talked about in closed rooms. Some of the things we're going to talk about today. Okay. And, but first, a commercial. We got a break for commercial brought to you by the Forbidden Doctor because, you know, we're not ashamed of promoting our own products. Well, because... We aren't. I, actually, we have to because the Forbidden Doctor is, is paying, paying for, for this. this. Yes. So <laughs> this is and sponsored by... to those of by, you who are ordering our products online, we thank you. Yes, especially those of you that are leaving five-star reviews on Amazon. Yes. Really appreciate that. Those of you leaving five stars, we do more than appreciate you. We and, love you. And, and so I want to just give you a little um, testimonial here about our ageless thyroid. This was really cool little off-label use here. I can't say enough good things about this product, and it's Ageless Thyroid we're talking about. It's a great product for any woman of any age. I am a post-menopausal woman, and this has really helped with the symptoms of menopause. It has helped my mood and seems to help balance all my biological systems. My 22-year-old daughter also takes it. She started on it to help her chronic acne, along with some other standard process whole food supplements, and her face has cleared up after having acne since the eighth grade. Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell have developed a great product. Try it. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, that's from a verified purchaser on Amazon. Yeah, I don't even know. She didn't leave her name, so I don't know who it is. And I'm um, just really thrilled that we have an off-label off use. And um, I've told my kids to take four in the morning, four at night. I, on the label, it, I know we say just three a day, but I think if you've got acne, 
This is really cool yes. that yeah. it could be used for that. Well, uh, acne can be a hormonal imbalance problem, yeah, for especially sure. in girls. For sure. I think that's why it helped it. And let's start right off with our disclaimer. Yes, this webinar podcast is not intended to be a diversion away from the current system of disease management. I love that. Management. It's our intention to offer a rational and very effective approach to aiding your body in its ability to rebuild and heal. Please be advised that any suggested nutritional advice or dietary advice is not intended as a primary treatment or therapy for any disease or particular bodily symptom. Nutritional counseling, supplement and vitamin recommendations, nutritional advice, and the adjunctive schedule of nutrition is provided solely to upgrade the quality of foods in the patient's diet in order to supply good nutrition supporting the physiological and biomechanical processes of the human body. Supporting. There we go. Okay, let's start off with our weekly feature, Forbidden Secrets They Don't Want You to Know. These are the secret things they keep from you, the dumb things they tell you, and the really important things they know nothing about. The dairy industry attempting to spike milk with chemical ingredient that causes brain tumors. This chase just came out. Mm. Uh, there's a couple of URLs there you can look at. And what are we talking about here? What are we? What we're talking about is that the dairy industry, uh, and I take care of several dairymen in the clinic, and a couple of them have 2,000 cow dairies. Wow. And they're always complaining about the price going up and going down and going up and going down as far as milk is concerned. But, but this is the International Dairy Foods Association and the National Milk Producers yes. Federation. And they have petitioned Ooh. the FDA to amend the standard of identity. The standard of identity. In other words, what milk is. Wow. Yeah. Food? Like a natural food. Yeah. It's like, well, what is a peach? <laughs> well, here's a peach, and it's kind of peach colored and peach tasty, but we want to inject chemicals into this peach to make it even more desirable. So we want to work with the, the standard of identity for this peach. Well, they're doing this with milk. New phrase I've never heard of. Right. Because they want to put aspartame in the milk. No. Yeah. Well, kids are drinking... Kids are drinking entirely too much soft drinks and not enough milk because the soft drinks are extremely sweet. So they want to sweeten the milk. This is this is a, this, this is called is a, madness. A madness, a travesty, whatever. Especially when they want to put something in there, an artificial sweetener or some other ingredient. Why don't they put honey in? Didn't we talk about strawberry milkshakes well, with that, the Skittles last week? Yes. <laughs> Putting honey in the milk would raise the calorie content of the milk and so ah. they're trying to reduce the calorie content ah. and so anyway but remember and i think that i know we've got sickening. i know we have podcasts where we talk about aspartame but it's a subject of uh and has been a subject of immense scrutiny for quite some time uh, and i think we've mentioned before in a, a study back in 1996 published in the journal of neuropathology and experimental neurology said this quote Compared to other environmental factors putatively linked to brain tumors, the artificial sweetener aspartame is a promising candidate to explain the recent increase in incidence and degree of malignancy of brain tumors. Wow. And they're going to put that in milk. Yeah. So and, and, and they're not going to label it, right? No, they, that, don't want, they don't want to have to put aspartame on the bottom. Yeah, milk. they're trying, that. trying to not put that there as well. So, and reading from the study here, in their conclusion, the researchers uh, said this, quote, we conclude that there is need for reassessing the carcinogenic potential of aspartame. Now, that was two decades ago. And research has continued to demonstrate that aspartame poses a threat that's especially harmful to the brain. 
And then a more recent study, just uh, in 07, found that exposure to aspartame over the course of a rodent's lifespan greatly increased the incidence of lymphoma and leukemia. Just that. In both male and female rats. So when I hear this kind of stuff going on with patients who, well, can you do something about granddad because of this or my cousin because of, of that? And what it turns out to be, or what, what I usually ask them, are these people drinking diet drinks? Well, in breast cancer, it says female rats exposed to aspartame also exhibited an increased incident of mammary cancer. Right. So when I have, Ooh. as I was saying a minute ago, as people ask questions about members of their family that's either cancer-related or some other degenerative problem, the first question out of my mouth, do they drink diet drinks? Yeah. And a surprising number of them do. Yeah. And also dementia and yeah. Alzheimer's. Yep. Very scary. Well, stop, the, stop those diet drinks. <laughs> The next one we want to talk about, Forbidden Secrets, that I want you to know, is the CDC knowingly lied about mercury in vaccines, and proof has finally surfaced. Yeah, and I would, uh, this is, you know, this I, is I, like scary. To, I like to leave our podcast apolitical, but I do want to commend President Trump for appointing Robert Kennedy Jr. to head up a task force to examine vaccine injuries. Yeah. Reopen what they've known for a long... The government has, unknown to a lot of people, paid out many billions of dollars in vaccine damage. Injury, uh, injury, injury, vaccine. Vaccine injury damages to the parents of these vaccine-injured children. Some of our parent patients. Yes, some of our patients have, have been in that group. But this is this has just recently come out. I mean, finally, it's coming to light. The fact is being told that vaccines given to infants contain inordinate amounts of ethylmercury in the form of thimerosal. And the CD knew about it, and they conspired to keep the devastating uh, reality of mercury damage away from the consumers and the public health agencies. And so there are people who are starting to come out and talk about this now. Now, the FDA Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research was responsible for adding up the cumulative exposure to mercury from infant vaccines. Because when a child gets a vaccine that has mercury in it, the body doesn't get rid of the mercury. It builds up in the body. So the more shots they get, the more mercury they have. A very simple calculation that astonishingly has never been performed or at least publicly shown by the FDA or the CDC. And remember, the CDC owns 20 vaccine patents. And I think um, people have usually trusted what the CDC had to say because they're considered a neutral research agency, but they're really a vaccine company. They own 20, 20 vaccine patents. So what they, when, they, when the, the regulators were looking at this, they found that a six-month-old infant who received thimerosal-preserved vaccines following the recommended CDC vaccine schedule, and remember, that schedule increases all the time, yeah. would have received a jaw-dropping 187.5 micrograms of mercury. Yeah, and those calculations were made way back in the late 1990s. Oh, yeah. And the CDC officials have been covering up their voodoo vaccine consensus science ever since. And these actions should be prosecuted as crimes against humanity. And my tip my hat again to President Trump for opening this up for uh, federal investigation. Yeah, this is excess... Child abuse by a government agency and the CDC should be revamped from the inside out, restructured and surgically separated from Big Pharma. Amen. That's what the guy that wrote this article said, which I agree with. Now, as you surgically separated from Big Pharma. Oh yeah. So they're two separate. Well, I'm going to take time to say this. I wasn't. I didn't want to get into this because it makes it longer. But uh, 
there is a review board inside the uh, FDA that checks and watches over um, drug testing, drug manufacturing, and the CDC does to some extent. Uh, there's about 30 members of that review board inside the FDA. And over, the last time I checked, over 20 of them are former CEOs of pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, talk about conflict of interest. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. So as you see here on this slide... Well, the next slide we're going to show you... Right there, uh, the, the yeah. one that's up there right now. Oh, that's true. In fact, according to the models, blood and body burden levels of mercury peaked at six months of age at a shockingly high level of 120 nanograms per liter. Now, 120 nanograms is not very much at all of anything. But when it comes to mercury, to put this in perspective, the CDC classifies mercury poisoning as blood levels of mercury greater than 10 nanograms per liter. Now, as you look at this uh, chart here... I'll switch to the chart in yeah. just a second, but there's a link right there if you want to go to. This article is really long, and it talks about um, Robert Kennedy Jr. and how he's taking a really serious look at all this. But here's the chart that is in this article. Yeah, now that's, that squiggly line going up and down and up and down and up and down. Across the bottom is the age of the patient. And up the left side is the m amounts of nanograms per liter of blood mercury. So at two, you see a spike, and then it drops a little bit, and then it spikes at four, drops a little bit, then spikes at six. That high point spike at six is the 120 nanograms per liter by the time they're six years old, and this stuff is accumulative. That's the problem here. It builds up in the body, and mercury is, is known and has been described historically as one of the most toxic substances no. to life on the planet. Known to man, to brain tissue. If you notice on the chart, the EPA suggested limits. See that line going across yeah. the bottom? 0.7 micrograms <laughs> per kilogram. Never even per... hits that line. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Till tw age 20. I don't, I don't know why it would go down 20. Maybe your body detoxes it out of you. Well, if you do certain things like raw egg whites, your body's going to chelate it out of the it's system. It's a beautiful natural chelator. Yes. But the, the most egregious aspect of this whole cover-up that we wanted to mention is what happened within the CDC as reported. Quote, the FDA assigned a pediatrician with little knowledge of toxicology to oversee its public reporting. When Dr. Leslie Ball was asked why she reported the mercury exposure levels in this deceptive fashion, she responded, well, that's what I was told to do. That oh, is what I was told to do. Yeah. Now, it says the FDA assigned a pediatrician with little knowledge of toxicology. Toxicology is part of the medical training. Toxicology was in my training. We spent three and a half months on toxicology. Well, maybe it wasn't her strong point. No, <laughs> I don't no, know. No, but you'd expect a pediatrician to have that as a strong point. A At least bit. I would expect yeah. it. All right. Dealing with children. We started off talking about lockjaw, and what we want you to know is what we are not talking about. We're not talking about tetanus. In Pe this podcast. Yes, people who are my age, and they hear the word lockjaw, they're going to associate it with tetanus. Mm -hmm. And But there's so much uh, incidents showing up now of people with locking jaws that are, are clear of tetanus. Now, so we want to, we're not going to be talking about it in the sense that that is the topic of this podcast. But I want to talk about it to set it in 
contrast to, and perspective mm-hmm. of what we're going to talk about because the medical establishment wants everyone to be immunized against tetanus every 10 years. And, te- and all tetanus sh- shots that I know of, especially the Tdap, contains the pertussis, the whooping cough, and a diphtheria vaccine as well. It's, it's, that's what the Tdap is. The T is for tetanus, the D is for diphtheria, the AP is for acellular pertussis. And so it's a combined vaccine. Yes, and medicine claims tetanus is fatal if it's contracted, actually only about 10% if it's not treated immediately on diagnosis. And so they push the tetanus vaccine strongly. And it also depends on how far away from the central nervous system the infection occurs. In other words, some infections, some tetanus infections in the body can take months before they're truly symptomatic. If you've got a, a, a tetanus um, uh, infection in the foot, as opposed to something much closer to nerve bundles, where the tetanus toxoid could actually get into the nervous system, that's when it can be very, very dangerous. Hmm. So, have you ever really, you know, have you really been exposed? Well, me before I went to Palmer College, uh, I have done a lot of other things. Actually, working as a mining engineer, and in some rather dangerous conditions, yeah, situations metallur- underground. Metallurgical I did, engineer. I did a lot for of years. metallurgy engineering. Uh, I worked as a geologist, mineralogist um, for smaller mining companies that couldn't full, full, full-time engineers. And so I've been exposed to the soil and rust and all manner of environmental toxins and hazards for a good part of my life. Um, much of the work before the Forbidden Doctor timeline started put me in direct contact with a lot of these elements. And, and honestly, I have been cut and stabbed. I still have uh, scars on my legs, scars on my hands. Knives, nails, metal, wire, glass, and dirt and rust contaminated many of these sharp instruments. Not only have I not had a tetanus shot in over 50 years, I have never contracted tetanus. And I, and you know, and I don't mention this lightly. So, so is it real? Well, of course it is. Is it dangerous? Very dangerous. If not treated, it can be deadly. So I looked up in the CDC, and you can read this for yourselves, During 2001 to 2008, there was a total of 233 cases that were reported from 45 states. About 13.2% of those entire cases over an eight-year period were reported as fatal, which is about 26 deaths over eight years or three per year. Wow, that's not very much. Well, it's and you know we always get scared to death. Yeah, when when you get when you stab yourself or with a rusty nail, the first thing you always think is, oh, no, it's tetanus. And tetanus is very scary, but it's very hard to get. Well, it is. I mean, what really is? Well, tetanus is, is actually an anaerobic bacteria. It's called Clostridium tetani. Kind of a weak one. It's also, the Clostridium is a dangerous family. It's right. botulism. It's cholera. All, you know, all these, and typhoid are all in the Clostridium family. Right. And, but if it's exposed to oxygen, it's pretty weak. Well, oxygen kills an anaerobic mm-hmm. bacteria. Anaerobic actually means it only grows and thrives in a low oxygen environment. Environments found in the soil that's been contaminated with animal manure, with the scat, feces, whatever. And tetanus has limitations to its availability, which is why it's usually found around in farmyards, especially in tropical climates like the southern half of, of the states where the microbe can grow in organic soils that are contaminated with animal feces, mainly so, cow manure. So if you get punctured with a, a rusty nail, but it's nowhere near manure or well, feces. let's talk about that. Okay. See, what, it, what, what would you do if you did get a puncture wound? Yes, but I'm saying before we move to that slide, if you did get a puncture wound and you know there was none, 
this this is I that that's what I was saying you here. You know, a minute there's ago, no sweetie. feces I've had around. all kinds of puncture wounds and right. stabs and cuts and lacerations right. with rusty mining equipment and stuff. Right. I didn't worry about it. Yeah. If you're in a farm and lots of manure around, you might want to, you know, go to the emergency room. But if not, what would well, you do if you get a puncture wound? Well, how would you protect yourself? So we've put together a little slide. You can take a look at this slide here for a minute, but I'm going to read it to you. You get a puncture wound or anything like that that you're nervous about the tetanus, clean and wash the wound thoroughly with warm water and a soapy solution. And if bleeding, let it bleed a moment. Yes. Because you need to expose the wound to the open air because the oxygen can kill that. Anaerobic microbes. That's right. While washing, do it in do it openly to allow oxygen contact with the wound as oxygen kills anaerobic microbes, just like you said. I'm just reading the slide here. All right. <laughs> Use a powerful natural antibiotic like iodine or hydrogen peroxide or both, because they both work great and they're very safe. And soak the wound in sea salt water twice a day for seven days to draw out all toxins deep in the tissues. Yeah, and this is if you suspect you may have been exposed to manure in a puncture wound. Now, how do you protect yourself to start with? Well, when you're around manure, you wear boots that can protect you from puncture wounds. Like with steel toes. And by manure, I mean if you're working in a, in a cattle yard or, mm -hmm. a, or, a, or a horse paddocks or something like that. Yeah. And you wear gloves that protect the hands from cuts or lacerations. But if you do get a puncture wound, then follow this stuff here that Mary was just talking about, these, these steps. Or, or you can get go get a vaccine. vaccine. So you can surrender to the medical model and get a vaccine, but consider its contents before doing so. Yes, because I, this is also from uh, the CDC, mm -hmm. and I don't have all of the contents. I just have some of the more formidable ones here for the Tdap and the TD. Uh, because both of these have tetanus toxoid in them. I didn't mention that because the, obviously the tetanus vaccine has that. Mm -hmm. But you've, you have aluminum in both of these. But in the TD, just the tetanus diphtheria vaccine, which is usually what will... A lot of it, uh, emergency rooms will, ad, will administer the TD vaccine um, if you've had a recent puncture wound. Just the a TDAP, standard of care. Yeah, the Tdap is usually for kids. Or people who've never mm -hmm. had a tetanus or something like that, so they throw in diphtheria and pertussis. I mean, when's the last time you saw somebody with diphtheria? No, that's a subject for another My talk. dad. When? <laughs> when he was a young boy. Okay, living, well, that's, Living you know, in the hills of Kentucky. Back before the revolution. He's, he's in 91 Kentucky. now, so, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, the formaldehyde's in both of them, but in the tetanus diphtheria vaccine, there's the mercury. you got mercury and aluminum, both of which are neurotoxins. Jeez. And in the uh, Tdap... The formaldehyde is in there for a preservative, but the fluoraldehyde and the phenyloxyethanol are in there as um, uh, incipients to help the ammonium sulfate do its job, which is to keep things in suspension. Now, remember, we've done a lot of podcasts on, on vaccinations, but remember, aluminum and mercury are there as adjuvants designed to shock the immune system into recognizing yes. something it would not normally worry about, such as, you know, the, the, the poison, the toxoid of C. tetani. Yes. That's what it's called. So these extremely powerful nerve toxins, mercury and aluminum, force the immune system to make antibodies to a dead virus, or in the case of C. tetani, a toxoid poison, which is, which is a completely unnatural process. So at what cost... Yeah. At what cost? To with, put these chemicals to put in the body. Thermarisol in there, 
Yeah, to recognize it, to create antibodies to this, which your body will naturally do. Yeah. So. So, and listen, we're not making fun of this. No. You know, if you want to get, if you need to get a tetanus vaccine, get a tetanus vaccine, but I think you should know what's in it. Formaldehyde has been shown by the CDC as a carcinogenic and it's cancer forming and nerve damaging. Yes, it is. That's what the CDC says. And yet they put it in our vaccines. Yep. Unbelievable. So the choice is yours, of course. Tetanus is difficult to get. You almost have to go out of your way to get that, it. That is very true. How many you, people live on a farm yeah. now and have to be worried about that? Yes. So should you get a puncture wound or some other variety of open skin wound around manure and choose not to get a vaccine, or even if you do get the vaccine, you might want to consider using these following supplements to help support the body to do its job, especially in an immune response. Mm-hmm. Thymex, um, six twice a day. This awakens the T-cell activation against the bacteria and strengthens the lymph immune response. Yes. Um, the um, president of Standard Process says that Thymex is king. Yes. Any, yeah. ki- any kind of lymph help you want to take Well, Thymex. remember, sugar inactivates the T-cells. Sugar will put T-cells to sleep for up to three days, depending mm-hmm. on how much sugar you consume. And we've talked about this in earlier podcast studies for three uh, days. What was it called? Um, the lymphocytic index. The lymphocytic index. And what, what they did was they measured how weak your T-cells become um, in after the presence of sugar, sugar after yeah. eating sugar. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's up startling. To three days. Up to three days, your immune system can go AWOL. So after Halloween, three days of absolute... After Halloween, what do we see? Colds and flus. Yeah. After Thanksgiving, after Christmas, after Valentine's Day, what do Coming we see? Up, yeah. Colds and flus. Colds and flus. The next one is Cataplex C. Um, this, incre- this is vitamin C, but it's the whole food vitamin C. This increases the oxygen-carrying capa- ca- capacity of the blood to the wound. And remember, oxygen kills anaerobic microbes yes. like the tetanus. So that's a really good one. And the last one is chlorophyll ointment. Place it directly on the open wound. Chlorophyll is a very powerful natural antibiotic. It's a blood cleanser and tissue healing agent. And if it's in the oil-based form, well, the oil-based form is the only form that will work on this. Yes. Otherwise, it's... A breath mint. Yeah. It's the water-based. The water-based is just... If it's a water-based chlorophyll... It's just breath mints. It's deodorizing. That's the word I was trying to come up with. It's only deodorizing. It doesn't have any healing agents. So I know the oil-based chlorophyll is more expensive, but why get it if it doesn't work? So um, I would recommend putting that on and... Chlorophyll ointment stains, it stains everything. And if you spread it all over a leg or toe or puncture wound, it's going to look like it's gangrene. So don't worry about it, but it's very, very healing. Okay, so if it's not tetanus, let's talk a minute about parasites and lockjaw. I just got the creepy I know, these pictures are really awful. And and we have to talk about parasites because there's this growing consensus in medicine Um, is that the most common cause of undiagnosed conditions in America today may well be parasites. And we all have them. And if you have pets, you really have them. Uh, There's about a thousand different parasites that have been identified and they can infect us in in that sense. But only 50. Become overwhelmed. Yeah, but 50. There's only 50 that can be actually detected through medical testing. And sadly, um, most MDs don't even believe there's a parasite problem in America because I have seen 
printed remarks over the years by MDs to the effect, we don't have parasites in this country. Now, if you want to go back to the gap situation where your body can actually make you crave certain parasites that will eat away at tumors, then you have to, if you have a well-balanced, healthy gut, your body will take care of all the parasites in your body. The protolytic enzymes your, your pancreas spits out will cut them up when it's done using them for what it needs and gets rid of them. There are very good tapeworms. Yeah. There are parasites that perform a very important function in our body. And if our body is healthy enough, we can live within the world with these parasites. But when we get tremendously out of balance, which is most of you know America, then we, we get an overgrowth of these parasites and they're not easy to get rid yeah. of. So how do you know if you have them? You can have clenching or grinding of the jaw. Do you have an itchy butt? <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> Parasites are like bacteria and viruses, and they're everywhere. You, you already have them, but have they let you know that they're out of balance yes. and that they are there? And that's how they do it with clenching or grinding of the jaw, and then an itchy butt. Here's a really cute cartoon you have to see. This is Socrates, and he <laughs> says, never go to bed with an itchy butt or you'll wake up with smelly fingers. <laughs> That's so horrible. But I have to tell you a story about a mother who came in to see me because her 11-year-old son would wipe himself after he went to the bathroom, and he saw these little white crawling worms Ooh. on the toilet tissue. <laughs> And so I asked her if she saw any on her toilet paper, and she said, no, that would be so gross. But I told her if her son had them, she probably had them, and the only difference is her son was healthy enough to excrete them out. Yeah, and these little these little buggers are very <laughs> active at night. I mean, they'll actually crawl out of your anus. Yeah, this was a long time ago, but I would tell her now to take the long-life energy enzymes yes, good. to help with those pr protolytic enzymes to help cut up the protein of these parasites. Well, they'll crawl out of your bottom at night, and with their toxins that they leave behind, as well as their eggs... It can cause such itching of the anus, it can simply drive you insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so parasites can live anywhere in you, such as in the ears, sinuses, joints, brain, but mainly in the digestive system, which includes the mouth and jaw, yes. since we're talking about the jaw today, and intestines. So... Um, We've got pictures of, <laughs> there's the itchy butt. <laughs> this is terrible. But the scary thing is the brain. And you definitely want to be strong enough to um, get rid of these. And if not, then you want to do a parasite cleanse, which yes. we'll talk about in a minute. So, you know, what we've been talking about here is the lockjaw problem. Connection. People who are claiming that their jaw is getting really tight. And they go to the dentist, and the dentist says, well, it's not, a, it's not a dental problem. And blood work looks okay, and, and no one's really able to point a finger and, and, at what's really going on here. Well, it could be, it could be a parasite thing. Yeah, because parasites, most parasites are very small, but they can be great big like tapeworms or small enough to only be seen with a micros microscope. And there's a case of a family of butchers who, after years of slaughtering cattle, could see which cattle were ready and which were suited for the market and which were too sick. And they would have to dispose of the sick ones, of course. And when they would cut their jaw muscles, parasite oh. eggs would fall out onto the floor of the slaughterhouse. Yeah. 
So we do carry parasites in our jaw, and this can be a very... With people that have tight or grinding or locking jaws, and tetanus is not involved, then... Yeah, if if they've ruled out tetanus, you might want to consider this. Right. All mammals are prone to parasite infestations. Yes. Given the right conditions. So might want to look for it. Well, here are some symptoms. Of parasites. And I've seen these before in in my eyes. I haven't seen them. I haven't noticed them for a long time, but I can't really tell. I should close my eyes right now and see if I can see them. But I have seen these before. Floaters. Little floaters in your eyes. Um, I guess maybe I've got a picture on this slide right here. You can see the floaters. And I recognize that from maybe years ago. I don't know. And there's another picture there on the right that shows where these floaters are in the eye. So um, the effects can range from depression and mental problems to weight gain. There's lots of different symptoms of parasite, but floaters in the eye are one of the things that maybe some people would not think of as, well, as being parasites. I remember talking to uh, an, an ophthalmologist at one time back in early education where they, the, I asked him, because I had some floaters in my eyes. In fact, I still have one in one of my eyes. I forget which one. And he said, oh, it's just organic material that breaks off from the retina. Well, that's probably true in some cases yeah. because of malnutrition and, and the sloughing off of cells. Perhaps some retinal material got into the vitreous of the eye, which is the fluid inside the eyeball. But some of these things move yeah. And some of these things change their shapes. Yeah. And if you and see that. organic matter is not going to change its shape. No, it's just there. That's right. But a, <clears throat> a live Ooh, that's just parasite would do that. So if you have any of these symptoms, you know, constipation, diarrhea, muscle weakness, allergies, excessive appetites, because you're feeding the parasite, (laughs) but you're not getting fed. They're taking all the food. They're taking all the food, those little selfish things. Skin rashes and eruptions, um, hair loss, and even junk food cravings. Yeah, it it might be associated with parasites. Yeah, I know that's a lot of um, symptoms that cover a lot of different things, and of course, it all comes down to the gut, which, of course, would take care of parasites in and of itself. But sometimes we have to hit these hard. Yeah. Sometimes we need to go after them. And so I've put together a couple different um, handouts for you, the, a killer parasite papaya seed smoothie recipe. Mm. And it's got some enzymes in it that, man, you, this, this would just do wonders for you. And also our Forbidden Doctor Parasite Cleanse. And this is a cleanse we've had for a long time. And I actually should have added in the Long Life Energy Enzymes, but they're expensive. And and this Parasite Cleanse with the Wormwood Complex is very effective. Yeah, because when our patients undergo and complete a Parasite Cleanse, they find themselves not only seeing the symptoms disappear, but they're finding greater happiness and purpose. I mean, parasites simply can rob you of your life. Yeah, I've had um, um, guys come into the clinic, and you have too, I'm sure, that have been on missions. Actually, women too, they've been on missions for a couple of years in a foreign country, and they've contracted parasites. And their health went out the window. Oh, and, and you know, some of them, we don't see them until decades later. Mm-hmm. And they're super thin, and they sh- it's, it's robbed them of their lives. It, and remember when we were at the GAP Certified Practitioners Training, and that lady got up and talked about a GAPS case study where she, this lady had such horrible parasites that she could feel them moving. Oh, oh, oh. Do you yeah. remember that yes, on a yes, full moon? We're going to talk about that. 
Yeah, but it was it was scary. And Dr. McBride got, and she was so thin. I mean, she couldn't have been 90 pounds yeah. and tall. She was super tall. And she, this practitioner brought the patient to the seminar. That's right, I remember. And brought her up to the front because she's so worried about her and wanted Dr. McBride's help. And she literally felt the parasite inside her move. It was... Wow. Really freaky. And so you do need to sometimes hit these really, really hard. Parasite cleansing requires cycling the treatment in order to get rid of the of the parents and the kids, so yeah, to speak. This is not So a- we use a mixture of foods and herbs to kill off the parents. You wait a few days for the eggs to hatch, then you go after the kids. Ugh. And this may require a few rounds of treatment over several months if it's as bad as you're referring to there, mm-hmm. Mary. If one person in the family has parasites, listen, everybody has them as well, including all the pets. But if they're healthy enough, they can take care of them. But here we've put a parasite cleanse on the screen, and it also is a Harris uh, a handout. And um, as far as the jaw is concerned, parasites and their eggs can occupy areas of the muscle and joints of the jaw, the mm-hmm. TMJ, the temporal yes. mandibular joint, in the area of nerve bundles that re- will result in the involuntary contraction of the muscles. That's where the jaw tightness comes mm-hmm. from. This can come and go. But it will increase in, in its severity over time, leading you, li, little option, but to go to alternative methods such as herbal cleanses or, or homeopathy or different things, um, and, and especially to use a, the herb wormwood. This is a very strong herb, and actually it's the strongest herb we have. It's, very, it's a very effective anti-parasitic herb. Yeah, and you need to be really careful with it. And I would recommend you getting a heart sound recorder test before, during, and after. When the you, cleansing? Yes. Using, when you're using When wormwood. you're using this wormwood because yeah. you've got to be careful. Well, this is one reason why parasite cleanses that are found in health food stores are usually not inclusive enough of enough of the variety of antiparasitic herbs like wormwood are lacking in them or have weak, impotent forms of the wormwood. So people that use them are often dissatisfied with the results as the need to cycle the herbs is included and the, and the need to have the right kind of herb is just paramount. But this is the cleanse we have been using for at least a decade or oh, more. yes. A long yes. time. So you start off with wormwood complex. You take two three times a day on an empty stomach. But the very important thing is, is you go 10 days on, 10 days off, 10 days on, 10 days off. And you alternate until signs of the parasite excretion disappeared. And it's typically about two months to kill these little buggers. Wormwood is a poison that kills a vast spectrum of parasites. However, like cockroaches, they will adapt to the poison. So it requires a regular break from taking it. So that's 10 days on, 10 days off. Then we also recommend Zymex 2. You take three, three times a day for nine, that's nine a day for also those two months. You take it on an empty stomach so it will digest the parasite protein and not your food. Yeah, because the major, major ingredient of Zymex 2 is figs. It's, yeah, figs. That's why usually uh, figs that are hanging in a tree, if they get a bore on the outer edge of an insect, it doesn't go very far at all. Because as soon as the insect breaks the skin, digestive enzymes in the fig digest the bug. And then when you eat the fig... Well, well you get the protein at that point. <laughs> you get the bug. 
Yeah, but anyway, the Zymex 2, you take it on empty stomach three or four hours after food or 30 minutes before food. And, you know, this, we could recommend our um, long-life energy enzymes in the place of the Zymex 2, but it's more expensive, and I think the Zymex 2 does the job. I think it'll do really the job, well. too. Because yes. the other is more for pancreatic support Well, like you stuff. said, we've used this for a decade. Yeah, and it ha- the ours has herbs and stuff you don't really need That's for true. this parasite cleanse. Then the third thing you take is Zymex. This is totally different than Zymex 2. I don't know why they named them so close to the same name. But you take three with each meal, nine a day. And this is a prebiotic to detoxify the colon and help with candida and sugar cravings. This this product eats the, fo- eats the food that candida wants. Yes. So it cleanses out candida, which can't be a good thing when you've got parasites. Yes. Um, there, it's, it, it's probably food for them. And of course, you have to go off all sugar. But one thing nice about Zymex is it stops f- sugar cravings. Yes. If I ever it crave does. sugar, I'll pop a few of the Zymex and the sugar craving goes away. It's really a fantastic process, product and it's not expensive. And then Zypen, this is a really critical part. You take two on a rising, I would probably take three, but two on a rising and two at night on an empty stomach. Um, because stomach parasites come out after the hydrochloric acid is depleted in your stomach. They, they hide in these little folds in your stomach while the hydrochloric acid is in there churning your food and breaking it down in, you know, the proteins into amino acids and everything. But after the food's gone, these parasites come out in the stomach. Yes. So if you take these, this very strong hydrochloric acid product between meals, bam, you knock them out and you get them. Okay. And then synergistic products that I really recommend, but this cleanse is expensive enough with these four products. One, two, three, four. Yeah. But I would recommend garlic. It's a natural antibiotic. Um, it's called for in many, many parasite cleanse protocols. Um, and a graphis complex is one of our strongest viral, antiviral products. It's a Mediherb product, and it's a little expensive, but it's very good. Um, Calamo acidifies your body, which, you know, I'm sure many parasites cannot live in an acidic environment. And then black walnut liquid also um, is is recommended for... Black walnut's also excellent as a topical for ringworm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a viral. Put it right on the ringworm. Wow. Yeah, I think I heard that before. So that's really good. So this is our regular parasite cleanse. And then I will also put in as a handout, I think it's a four or five page little brochure on this killer parasite papaya seed smoothie recipe. It's kind of like a little newsletter. I stole it from this um, address at the top and I give them credit. So, um, because it's just so good. I tried to, I don't know, improve on it or condense it a little bit, but it's a very good, wonderful article. It's a blog this person did. So I want to give them credit for it. But here is the star (laughs) of our whole podcast. And this is an old Russian parasite cleanse. And we heard this from Dr. McBride's mouth when that lady was standing up there with that horrible parasite because she was quite shocked herself in that just doing gaps usually takes care of parasites. Yes. But she's Russian. And this was an old Russian parasite cleanse from her grandmother, who was also a medical type person back then. And um, I don't think she was a doctor per se, but she was a, you know, like one of these witch doctors, I well, suppose. Well, y- you tie this in with a very interesting phenomenon that's experienced in many cultures is that 
parasites inside us seem to be more active around the full moon. Yes. Uh, babies come earlier. People go crazy. Accidents seem to be more prevalent. You know, just ask an emergency room nurse or a traffic cop or a teacher or, or just watch yourself during a full moon. If you seem a little sore, anxious, depressed, or you're just about to lose it... On a full moon. <laughs> parasites might be the reason why. Yeah. And in this, and this is this is um, a pretty rough cleanse too in and of itself because it does require plum brandy. Plum brandy and yeah. castor oil. And castor oil. The you, plum you, brandy mm. shocks the parasite. And so it lets go of the gut lining. And then you take the the um, castor oil, <laughs> castor oil, and bam! Your, and your body wants to get rid of that fast, so whoosh, there it goes. Yes, and this is the crazy thing: you have to do it on a full moon at three a.m. Yeah, that's that's the Russian <laughs> parasite. That's the star of our show today. Yeah, you get up at three a.m. You take you know take this brandy and this castor <clears throat> oil, and um, shoot it down, shoot it down the hatch, and then you do it for three more days, and. Um, and then she also recommends you spend the first half of the first day doing enemas. <laughs> you probably won't have to <laughs> have to do enemas with this, but that's what she recommends. And um, anyway, some other things in there. I can't quite read the slide, but I'll have that in there. And there might be a mechanical problem with locking jaw. And this is, this is where I uh, excel with the work I do, because some of the latest research in the study of malocclusion of the teeth reveals the relationship between the way the skull sits on the neck and the way the neck moves under the skull. So the mandible, which is, you know, your jawbone, actually rotates in this described circle around the central structure of the second bone in the neck called the dens. I point that out on the slide. Well, that's, uh, you can't see it on the slide. Oh, I didn't get a good slide. It's buried. It's in, it's in front of, see the red uh -huh. thing there on the picture on uh -huh. the right, the, 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 pinched cord it sits it sits in front of that and the jaw itself hinges at the tmj you know up in front of your ear but moving sideways it describes a circle that has its center point the radius points back to the dens part of the second bone in your neck now an lvi or which is las vegas institute or a biological dentist understands this they're trained in las they're, vegas they, they well that's where the institute is that started promoting this 20 years ago oh and or you go to a dentist that works with a nuca chiropractor and fix the malocclusion because if your dentist does not understand the relationship between malocclusion and the alignment of the neck, you need to find one that does. Yeah, we work with a dentist that's really, really good at with this. Yes. And he has found if you don't get a nuca correction, as we call them, and he tries to fit you with those um, appliances. appliances. Right. Yeah, it, you can never fix a foundational problem. And he also sends me patients that he's going to do uh, cosmetic work on the teeth. So and, that I can make sure the jaw is balanced before he does the cosmetic work. Yeah, so the so, bite's right. So essentially, if, if the joint surfaces of the first and second bones are misaligned from one another in the neck, uh, the TMJ, the joint there, and the muscles of the jaw will not work in a coordinated pattern. And that can easily cause joint pain and can cause muscle tightness in the jaw itself. So it could be as simple as that. It could be as so it may not be parasites, it may not be tetanus, it may just be a misalignment of the top of the neck. So here is a colleague of mine, Dr. Terry McCoskey in Dayton, Ohio. You talked to him today. I, talk, I happened to talk to him on the phone today serendipitous. for another reason. But I highly recommend him in his care in the Ohio, Indiana area. 
Oh, we've got his link there. Yeah, and and you might want to you might want to consider talking to a Nuka doctor of chiropractic who practices upper cervical work. Okay, before let me flip back to the last slide because at the bottom of the last slide we have the nuka.org. That's where you can find a Nuka doctor in your area. Yeah, because this you know this podcast goes everywhere. We got an order from Greece the other day. Yes. Or a question. Greece, New York, or, no. or, or Greece over in <laughs> that, Eastern Europe? That country. Oh, the Mediterranean yeah, yeah, Greece? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so, we can hand deliver it. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. So Nuka.org is a great place to go. And, of course, we recommend seeing a certified um, Nuka doctor. And then also our website, jackstockwell.com, that's our clinic's website. We have some really good information on there about Nuka. Yes. So if you want to learn more. Now let's and go Nuka back to stands this for National Upper Cervical Chiropractic Association. Upper cervical meaning the upper neck. Yeah. So... And I, I just can't count the number of patients who received almost immediate relief with, with the stiffening of the jaw or TMJ or muscle tightness. Uh, the, the few that did not, we started, we moved on towards parasite cleansing. Mm-hmm. So this picture here of Dr. McCoskey shows the very gentle nature of a nuca correction. Uh, the contact is barely felt by the patient, but I'll tell you, the results are powerful. And what everybody doesn't know, it kind of looks like, you know, you're pushing on her head a little bit there in that picture, but you're actually pulling. You're not putting the pressure on her neck. It's it's like a release, like a... Um, there's about there's about an eighth of an inch penetration into the skin. Like enough to dent a soft marshmallow. That's about it. And then there's, a, there's some... Um, uh, resistance that's created in that point that may exhibit one to two ounces of pressure totally, and then there's a release that takes place at that point. You do it two or three times, the patient stands up, and you see their eyes open up <laughs> like, wow, what did you just well, do? Well, you had a patient the other day that had trigeminal neuralgia yes. and was just you know screaming in pain and was on drugs, you know, because the pain is, is just suicidal. And she came into your office. You worked on her on the, you know, it's kind of the jaw working area. on the atlas. Right. Top bone in the neck. You're working on the atlas, but her jaw was the problem. And she jumped up after you were done, gave you a big hug and said, I'm 98% better. Well, actually, you got the story straight for the most part. I sent her to the recovery area to relax and rest a while, and I went back to another room and started working on another patient, and she came back there to give me a big to hug. Your, to the other to, to exam inter- room. Interrupting me with another patient <laughs> saying, I am 98%. I don't know what 98% means. I would have said 100%. <laughs> but she said, I am 98% better and gave me a big hug and left. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's that's a real bad one That's there. the power of this. So you need to go to a new a chiropractic or upper cervical doctor that does pre and post x-rays. X-ray, yes, because they, they do not know how to fix what I'm talking about without an x-ray. You can't feel it. You can only see it on film. But here's two pictures of a pre and post, the pre being the before there. The blue line, vertical blue line in both pictures, is a vertical line perpendicular to the bottom of the film. And that black line in the picture on the left is a line through the center of the skull. And we use very precise measurements to find the center of the skull. And you see how it's leaning to the left. Mm-hmm. And when it's leaning to the left, it is stressing the nerve tissue coming out of the skull, the bottom of the brain stem that becomes the spinal cord. And all, all the ligaments connected to the jaw. Yeah. And then the picture on the right, you see where the black line is almost completely parallel with the blue after the correction. That's a good, a good that's chiropractic physician. That's position. a very good one. Yes. And the, um, when I've been able to do this with patients, immediately after 
bringing the skull back to the vertical, the jaw relaxes. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, We have to show off our wonderful little staff here once in a while because we don't give them enough credit. Yeah. We're just the stars here, you and me, and they don't, they are the backbone of everything. Well, we couldn't do what we're doing without them. There's no issue about it. No, so. So there's me on the far left, good looking (laughs) guy that I am, but the really pretty one is to my right. (laughs) And that's Mary. In case you're not sure which one's me and which one's Mary, she's the pretty one there to my right. And there's my son, Dr. Josh, who's another Nuka chiropractor, his wife, Jen, who runs the office. And there is the cop of all cops, Virginia, Virginia. who is the traffic cop for the She's office. She's been with us about, what, 15 years? I think she said 17 the other day. Yeah. And Jen, to her left, has been with us since you started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long time ago, 20 years ago. The next two are nutritionists, Ambrosia and Jill. And then there's Dylan, who just does all the hard work around the place, as well as dealing with patient care. He's wonderful with patients. Yes, he is. And then Marissa on the far right who is now working with our survey system. Yeah, and taking our, care of the surveys. And, and our heart sound recorders. Yeah, and the heart she's a heart sound recorder tech. Yeah. So you can go to jackstockwell.com. I know we're always promoting the forbiddendoctor.com, but you can go to the jackstockwell.com and find out more information about Nuka. So let's recap. Okay. All right. This podcast was not about tetanus, even though we talked about it. Uh, because if that's, you know, if you suspect that's what's happened, you get to the emergency room because it could be fatal. Yeah. And here are some of the symptoms that are very similar to if meningitis. You, yeah. They just come on slower than meningitis infection. So if you've had a puncture, you don't know if there's manure around, then you look for a fever, neck stiffness, nausea, vomiting, severe headache, and like you said, sy- symptoms are similar to meningitis, but with a slower onset. Yeah. Then you get to the emergency room. And besides a parasite infestation, which is serious enough by itself, you might want to try upper cervical chiropractic to see if a locking jaw is nothing more than a misalignment problem. So if tetanus has been ruled out by a medical professional, if the jaw pain and tightness has been dismissed by your dentist as not being a dental problem, and you clear out your misalignment with a Nuka chiropractic correction, it may well be an infestation of parasites. And there is our parasite cleanse. You can go to our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, and search for a lockjaw, and you'll find this protocol. Okay, there you have it. I threw in one last slide. Be gentle, kind, and tender to yourself. I think yourself. that's beautiful. I think that's... that's <laughs> but, but, but not, not to, to the, the parasites. parasites. <laughs> yes. Let's get rid of them. All right. Okay. Join our texting blast to receive weekly discounts and special coupons. This week, in fact, we had a fantastic... No, it's coming out. Yeah, this week we had a fantastic coupon come out. So make sure you text the word healthy to 41411. In other words, where you would normally put the phone number, put the numbers 41411. And then just type the word healthy where you would normally type a text to someone. All right. The statements made in this webinar about specific products have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided or any information contained on or in any product label or packaging or this webinar is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. Don't forget to text us or call us or email us if you have any questions about anything we've talked about today or any other question. 
simple to do, and we will see you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast. If you are curious about long-life energy enzymes or ageless thyroid, you can purchase them without a membership from our website at ForbiddenDoctor.com or get our enzyme formula from Amazon.com by searching the full term, Long Life Energy Enzymes. Don't forget to take our obligation-free symptom survey to get a free personalized supplement protocol recommended for you by Dr. Jack, Mary, or one of our qualified nutritionists. Take the survey, get a call from our nutritionist to create a protocol and a patient login, then use that login to see your own personal protocol along with any favorites you've saved from our symptom library. Remember, our website and our clinic are here for you always.